Welcome, and thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I'm Omar Ndizeye, and this is Books and Story Library. Hello, Ashiri. Hello, Omar. Welcome to Books and Story Library podcast. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, great. Uh, thank you for joining our conversation today. Uh, the first time I met you was in Rwanda was in 2015, right? Um, two, I'm trying to think back. Was it 2000? I think it was 2016. Yeah, 2016 well, in Rwanda. Yeah, 2016 in Rwanda when you are, you are recording, I mean, you are interviewing survivors about uh, your, your book, which is, uh, which, is being, which is being published soon. Yes, um, I, Stephanie, who was one of my professors at Weber State, had um, asked me to help her edit her book um, Mm -hmm. as kind of a student, you know, I don't know, as a a student editor. Um, But then through the course of that research, actually, she asked me if I could write the first chapter. So um, that, yeah, so it's for the first chapter is mine, but I I wouldn't take credit for the book. No, I I think it was a very good experience to meet you and you know and travel to Bugesera together and mm-hmm. to other different places. Uh, mm-hmm. What are other places we 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 went to together with you and Stephanie other than Bugesera? Um. Well, we I went there with you and of course to Niamata. Um, you showed me around Kigali. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. The first day I got there, you gave me and Stephanie a nice tour of the city. Um, but I think those were the only places I went with you in that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, it was a very good time with you and Professor Aris, uh, uh, you know, and, and Dr. Mm. St- Professor Stephanie. So uh, today we, yeah, you know, we are kind of going back to that journey uh, when we met for the first time in Rwanda. Uh, your work with Professor Stephanie uh, about writing uh, on genocide against Tutsi and, and of mm. course, on memory in general. Uh, what was the experience? It was a different perspective or a different context. What was the experience to you? Yeah, um, well, I guess I probably should have to go back a little bit to talk about how I started the project and that will kind of explain um, how the experience was different for me for me than I thought it would be to actually go to Rwanda um, mm-hmm. firstly I was really um, I don't know I felt very honored and um, happy that um, when I started this project with Stephanie we were able to get survivors in the United States who were um, who felt comfortable enough with us and wanted to share their story. Um, so I think in about 2015, um, that's when Stephanie offered to let me and actually another student at the time co-author the first chapter of the book, which would uh, draw on survivor narratives to explain the events of the genocide. So even though there would be some sources and there would be an academic element, it really would be um, the survivors telling the story of the genocide, of, of the genocide against the Tutsi through their own words. So originally it was her and I, and then Stephanie helped facilitate some of those contexts in, uh, contacts in the United States 
to do those interviews. Uh, as the project continued, and again, I was I was an undergraduate student. Um, that mm -hmm. other student pulled out of the project, and I was very grateful for the initial help we got from her in um, being in the interviews with me. Uh, but at that point, I really had just written all of it. And we submitted our chapter to editors for feedback. And um, the feedback we got a lot was, well, you have great narratives from survivors who left Rwanda and are now living in the United States, but wouldn't it be so much better if you also had narratives from, from survivors who are in Rwanda? And um, Stephanie, of course, already was planning to go to Rwanda. She'd gone before, but I wasn't because I was a poor college student and then just graduated and I was going to move to Korea. So I, I hadn't considered that it would be an option for me, but we got some grant funding. There was also some grant funding that had helped me travel around the U.S. to interview survivors. I got more, so then I could go. And going to Rwanda, I had some experience in the U.S. studying the genocide of the Tutsi, and I had listened to survivors before, but it was a different experience to go to Rwanda, of course, meet and make very good friends like you, Omar, <laughs> and <laughs> Thank uh, you. Ex experience the culture of Rwanda, which was so wonderful, see how beautiful the country is, and then also be at some of the sites of the genocide and experience that firsthand. And uh, it was a lot more emotional for me than I thought it would have been um, because I'd already done so much research. I thought I would be prepared, but of course uh, it, it was emotional, but uh, that, I guess that's what I would say about how it was, it was different than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you were saying that it was different. Uh, what exactly was it different? You know, you talked about culture mm -hmm. and your research you had done before. Was it similar to what you were expecting when you go there, when you went there, or there was something new? What was that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, as a student in America, and I, I, like I said, I did research about the genocide. I had talked to survivors. I thought I was very prepared. Uh, but again, you know, I'm just some, I, at the time was this naive girl i don't know i <laughs> um but when i went uh, it was my first time in africa period and and learning interacting from people who live in rwanda uh, i i think the culture is very um there's a lot of hospitality in rwanda uh, the people are very kind um i would also say just learning about rwandan culture uh, interacting with people i think rwandans are very polite in, mm -hmm. I, I mean, every culture has its different types of politeness, but I, I think Rwandans are very uh, generous in their conversations. They're very kind in their conversations. They give a lot of praise, which Americans don't always. <laughs> so I, I, I respected that about the culture. Um, mm -hmm. And then also it was different in the sense that, like I said, I, I kind of just thought I've talked to survivors. I've, I've done a lot of research. I've, I've seen you know, I watched some documentaries and read things that were pretty traumatizing. I think I'm going to be okay. But um, I remember when I went to the Kigali Memorial, there was a, uh, there was a room that showed child victims of the genocide 
Mm-hmm. And that was very, I, I don't know a person, honestly, that can go into that room. It, it's at the end of the exhibit, or at least it was when I was there, um, that can go in there and truly take the time to look at the exhibit. It, it, it has the name of a child and what they like to do and then their last words before they were killed and how they were killed. And um, that I don't think there's truly a, a many people that can go into that room and not have a visceral emotional reaction to seeing that. So um, yeah, I, I, w- I think Rwanda, it was a lot more emotional for me than I thought it would be naively, mm-hmm. I thought, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but good. I, I think that was good for me because I, no matter what type of work you do, you never want to feel numb, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that would be why Rwanda surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Chigari Genocide Memorial and, and, and the Children's Loom. Yeah, very, very memorable for visitors, at least mm. in my case. Mm. So, so you talked about, you say that, uh, you know, your visit to Rwanda, interviewing survivors, visiting memorials was emotional. Mm. Uh, um, myself coming from that context and, and you know, considering you from America, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, a student uh, from different context, uh, someone would think that, you know, you have uh, that distance, emotional distance to what was in Rwanda, well, h- what you saw in Rwanda. So well, how do you explain that? Hmm. Well, I think what's sometimes hard um, not to, how do I say this? I think sometimes Westerners or even just non-Rwandans in general, they have the privilege and ability to just come to Rwanda, think, oh, how sad is this? Or, or come to Rwanda and say, oh, that's so sad, and then go home. Or even worse, they're, you know, they never get to go to Rwanda or they don't learn about the genocide. And um, they, they get to feel it and then just not think about it again, right? So mm-hmm. even when I talk to you about this, I know it's such a, a privilege, honestly, that, that I, I can even speak about what I saw and experienced in Rwanda from that, that distance. Um, you know, Rwanda is in a great place now, and, but it's, it's not my country. And I, I, I myself can help learn and, and, and share the memory, but um, you know, I, I have that privilege of, of not being personally affected. With that said, while I was in Rwanda, not only was I there um, interviewing survivors and getting to experience the country, like I said earlier, you um, did very well to show me around, um, but I also attended Never Again Rwanda's Peacebuilding Institute with some of the graduate students. They were both Rwandan graduate students, or sorry, undergraduate students. They were both some students from Rwanda and from the US. At that point, I had already graduated. And so um, as a part of that, we would share our thoughts and have academic discussions and then more personal discussions about governance and peace building and memory and, and all those things. And 
I remember one day we were asked to honestly speak about how the Kigali Memorial had affected us. And that was the day after we went and, you know, I, I spoke about the children's room. And I remember I, I broke down and started crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I felt guilty a little bit because I felt, I felt like, who am I to just come into this country and, and be exposed to this and, and cry? I, I don't know. I just felt sit like I'm just an American. I, I don't know. But some of the students there said, no, it's okay. You can share, you know? Um, so there is that balance, I think, of as being a Westerner and American. I never want to center the conversation on myself. I, I more importantly want to, to learn and to listen um, and then try to, to spread awareness of, of what happened in Rwanda so, you know, people are aware of the signs and, and hopefully uh, it will never be again, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thank you very much. And I really understand you when you say that, you, you know, you are emotional. Uh, but again, I think it's normal to get emotional and, and cry sometime, you know. Uh, because uh, crying and being emotional, it's it's something, it's expression that we saw something that triggers uh, our feelings. Um, and, and, and I'm glad that you are honestly sharing that. Um, so you say that you don't, you didn't want to, sh- you know, to center the discussion, the conversation about yourself, but <laughs> like, you're learning. Uh, when 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 someone can ask you, for example, your colleagues here in America, you know, colleague students, what have you learned in, in, in that journey, in that situation, in that in that conversation with Rwandans, in that visiting memorials? What 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 what's what are the lessons to share? You know, with mm. uh, with uh, you know with uh, generations, young generation, you know, the people who never been to Rwanda anyway. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, how do I say this without, um, well, Americans unknowingly can, I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. I think Americans unknowingly can be quite racist or make huge generalizations about other parts of the world, particularly Africa. But I, I, I don't only say Africa here because I think a lot of Americans are woefully ignorant about geography and the rest of the world. And that's not always entirely, I, I don't judge Americans that don't, don't know a lot about the world because it's not entirely their fault. Our education mm-hmm. system isn't the best with that. Um, and, I mean, there's fantastic history teachers out there. But with that said, I think there are Americans of all ages from you know people who are elderly down to young children that just have this perception of Africa being one large country of problems that and it's Africa's problem to deal with and when they hear things like genocide or or mass killings they don't personalize it enough it's like you know it's terrible but there is a um, there's a I think it's for save the children which is an organization I really like Uh, they have an ad running all the time that depicts a, I think it's the British version, but it's basically, I think they have two different versions of that ad and they have a, you know, white girl who basically it simulates going through life in Syria 
you know, you have your normal life and then it just shows different scenes of, you know, bombs and having to be evacuated and, and having to cross over in the ocean, being separated, being shot at, being, you know, taken to a refugee camp. And, and then at the end, it shows it's her birthday and how sad it is. And I think the, the objective of Save the Children is to humanize the Syrian refugee or just refugee crisis in general um, globally by depicting a girl who white Europeans or white Americans can identify with. Um, and there, I think, is an element of racism there where for whatever reason, sometimes Americans aren't as able to identify with African or non-white victims of oppression, of genocide. And that that commercial is kind of one example of how it sometimes takes looking at someone that looks like them to maybe for people to sometimes empathize, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think for me, obviously, I, I had learned about Rwanda when I was younger. I don't know. My mom never remembers teaching me things, but she taught me a little bit about the genocide when I was like a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And then I learned about it again in high school, not from classes, actually, but from uh, speech and debate. And for me, even though I, I considered myself above that American racism, it is still so important to speak to people, you know, Rwandans or, or learn about Rwanda in the context of them sharing their story as a human being and as a person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you do that, that helps to diminish some of the racism and, and cultural barriers there. And that's why I think it's so important here in the U.S. for, for non-victims of the genocide, if they are invited, if the event is open to the public to go to commemorations and, and see it presented in a very human element because Rwanda is not one large country that is the only country of Africa. There were several unique factors that contributed to the genocide and culturally every country in Africa is different. And with that being said, we're all human beings. And um, instead of generalizing Rwanda or heaven forbid, Cambodia is just one, I don't know, (laughs) not a unique culture full of human beings just as equal to us. Um, I don't even know where I'm going with that. We just, uh, we need to approach it from that level. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for sharing, uh, you know, uh, deeply, uh, you know, elaborating, describing, uh, you know, all of that, uh, you know, at the same time making a comparative analysis about between the two societies. Uh, you, you talked about survivors' narratives, you know, versus academic works. Mm. Uh, and you have done, uh, uh, you know, classes about Rwanda before. Um, then you went to Rwanda, you interviewed survivors, you, you listened to their stories. Uh, uh, what, 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 what would you say about um, the academic, you know, survivors' stories within academic world? Mm. Well, I would say I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, after I got my undergraduate degree, I went on and got my master's in international relations with political strategy and communication, but that was not 
focused on um, genocide or crimes against humanity or human rights. My focus was more on international or, you know, foreign policy, U.S. foreign policy. Um, but with that said, I can speak to my experience reading um, and mm -hmm. interacting. Um, I think personally, there's definitely a strong need for there to be academic coverage and analysis of what happened in Rwanda. I think that's, it it's, has been happening. It's good. Truth is very important. Um, and fact finders are, are there for that. With that said, I think there, you know, then there's the survivor narratives that are also so important in honoring human dignity and finding that truth. But then also, I think Rwandan scholars are the piece that in the broader academia is missing. And I think Rwandans as an individual with their own perspectives, but then also as scholars really kind of, they are that missing puzzle. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's why Omar, like I have so much respect for you um, because there needs to be a lot of people like you um, to do that work that, that bridges the gap. So yeah, I, I thank you for, for sharing your story and not only from the personal element, but also, you know, being a scholar. Oh, thank you very much for that. And uh, it's a very good compliment, very great compliment. No, no, it's a compliment to be interviewed or to talk with you today. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we, yeah, um, we, 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 we are about ending our interview, but uh, I, I would like to come back to some of the things you talked about, how survivors' stories can help to rehumanize uh, today's world. You, mm. I, I had a feeling that you talked about uh, the society, the, the, the world society in general. Mm -hmm. How do you see that? Mm. Um, well, I think it just goes back to it's so easy to see people as a statistic when they're presented that way. Mm -hmm. And in our own personal lives, we identify with the personal. I mean, it's a cliche, but, you know, you can get a hear a number, a statistic, statistic of how many people died a certain day. But then that's different when you hear about the story of that person and and their family and their friends and all the lives that were touched by theirs and um, the loss. You know, recently I attended a funeral of someone that was young, 25, and here in America. And just that person showing up, you get a sense for how much their life mattered and how, how important they were, right? even mm -hmm. just as a, a normal person, right? Just a regular average, you know, <laughs> average Joe. Mm -hmm. but, and so for me, it, you know, I'm not going to say all the names, but for the survivors I've talked to, it's been so important not only to hear their story of survival or what happened to those they lost, but to hear about their lives before the genocide and after, because mm -hmm. it humanizes the event and helps people understand why these, how these things happen but more importantly, why we cannot allow genocide to happen. You know, mm -hmm. it really packs the punch. And um, yeah, when, when you get to know a person's story, not just 
the tragedy that they they suffered and survived, but also their their life and the the meaning and relationship they had with people that were lost to them. It really packs that emotional weight. And for me, that was the greatest honor and privilege of of hearing people's stories to 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 be privy to a little part of their most intimate relationships. I, I felt very fortunate. Oh, thank you very much, Ashley. Uh, it's amazing how you describe that. And, 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 and you also connect that to eradicating racism. I know everyone is talking about eradicating racism in today's world. Uh, you know, I, I want maybe to kind of analyze it in the in races of universities and, and you know, and, and the student communities. Uh, how do you see that being useful uh, mm. in the schools uh, here in America or around the world? Mm. Well, unfortunately, Omar, I think, and I can say this as a white woman who grew up in a predominantly white community mm-hmm. where that was the strong majority, it was very difficult for me to even see racism around me when I grew up or even in school because I just don't, I didn't have to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't see it a lot because I, I didn't see that many people of color around me. And when I did, I, I didn't have their experiences. Um, I, again, to me, it goes back to listening. And I, I don't want to toot my own horn here because I know I've in, you know, we all make mistakes, but um, not just in American culture, but I think in general, it's very easy to, to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and share and, and we want we don't want to be perceived as racism that's like a scary thing right um mm-hmm. but so much can be gained from active listening and taking people at their word and believing others and i i hope that universities are improving especially as we've had more of a reckoning recently um but I go back and, you know, racism has been such a huge problem in the U.S. And it hasn't just been recently that people of color have been talking about this, right? They've been talking for a long time. And maybe, maybe white people are starting to listen more. But, um, you know, I'm here to listen, truth always. And uh, that's, I ironically say as I talk more about it, (laughs) but... um, (laughs) That, that's and I hope I hope in, in universities and the culture at large, uh, especially you know in the United States, white people um, take that to heart. Yeah, I, I know you are very active in in that. You know, uh, I saw your your social media, the way you use social media, and, you know, and being activist in that in that regard. Uh, and and uh, you know, my comments are always, you know, you are doing great job. So, but uh, I was wondering if you see survivors' stories, survivors' memoirs, uh, contributing something in eradicating that. Uh, what mm-hmm. would you recommend to lecturers, uh, school, universities? Uh, you know, if they, mm-hmm. if they, if they are to eradicate that, uh, mm-hmm. using survivors' stories. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. How do I say this? I think survivor stories need to be approached with um, respect and mm-hmm. not to politicize it too much. And and I don't say that to say 
because to me, anti-racism is not political, even though I guess it, sh- it is, but um, it, it's so easy to just use someone's story as, as a, as a backup for whatever you're trying to argue. Right. Um, I think there's a danger in that and stories should be treated with, um, I don't know what I'm saying here. I, I guess I'm coding what I'm saying. I'm just going to be honest. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. with empathy it can, with uh, yeah. mm-hmm. it can be so, i can see you know some american conservatives saying oh well you know look at what happened in rwanda we we can't have affirmative action here in the united states because you know the tootsies were discriminated against and now white people are being discriminated you know that's completely inappropriate um what it should be is looking at personal stories treating them with dignity not as a, as a political talking point. And then we can have a conversation about the systemic reasons that this racism, it's not even racism, this prejudice in Rwanda happened. And that includes centuries of discrimination, that includes colonization. Those are systemic issues that the West, including the United States, needs to grapple with. So um, yeah, but treating with empathy and dignity is important, but not just reducing people's stories to a, a cheap political talking point. I hope that made sense. Same, Ashley. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, maybe my last question: You are publishing your book soon, and uh, is, is the t- what's the title? Um, right now, it's it's changed so much. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's called in the shadow of genocide and i can't remember what we've just recently changed it to (laughs) but we've changed it from something that's more of a graduate level to actually um a book that's going to be more targeted to undergraduate students getting their bachelor's degrees so it it can be something that's used you know if for for students that are just want a basic understanding of what happened um when it comes out it will be targeted towards them. So I'm excited about that. Oh, great. So yeah. when, you, when you wake up in the morning and, and, and think about the day that that book will be published, what, what comes in your mind? Um, honestly, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm the first writer on that chapter. Stephanie also is mm-hmm. a huge collaborator. Um, but I feel like it's not really mine, you know, it's, it belongs to the story, you know, the survivors. And I'm excited to, to see that narrative come out where we kind of wove together different survivor narratives, hopefully to a a satisfying effect. And I, I don't know, I'm happy about that. I'm happy Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. that people who know me and love me, uh, will be able to read those stories. So I'm, I'm excited. That's a great thing. Uh, uh, is there something uh, you think that maybe I didn't ask you you want to share before we close our conversation? Um, let me think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I, I will say this. Um, mm-hmm. You didn't ask me, but it was, I got involved in this just kind of by chance. And mm-hmm. I wanted to say to any of your listeners that maybe, I don't know, listening and feel far removed. I just had put myself in good positions. You know, I worked hard at school. I developed good relationships. Um, I 
I was I was pursuing an English degree and a political science degree. It all worked out in my favor. So I think for maybe listeners who who want to do work in this field or just in general, they have something they want to do, but they they feel like it's too difficult or um, it can't happen. I always say, just put yourself in the right position. Do the things you got to do, and the opportunities will come. Um, oh. Yeah. So that's what I'd say to that. You know, nice. I never dreamed it would be a Rwanda and, mm-hmm. and I get to experience these beautiful things, but I put myself in that position and then I was able to, to meet incredible people and uh, make really great friends. So yeah, that's the, the encouragement I give. Oh, it, it, that's a very positive ways of, you know, of course, in our conversation. And, and you are publishing your fiction books too. Uh, books. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying, I have a different pen name for that, but maybe in the future when I, do you want to share the title? Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe in the future I can come back on. (laughs) Okay. Ashley, thank you so much for, for, for your time and and being available and you, you are very wonderful insight you shared with us and our listeners as well. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Omar. Thank you. Do you like reading books and storytelling? Or you keep asking yourself how and why stories are important in our lives. To respond to those questions, each week, Books and Story Library Podcast brings to you book writers and different professionals. We explore more stories which makes us humans full of empathy. Through storytelling, we look at the individual lives, writing journey, personal memory, and experience. Join us at Books and Story Library Podcast as we learn from people's books and stories.